Welcome to the Kanji Cast, the podcast that you never made a deal with. We're also the show that didn't make the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs, even if you round down, but we do provide an Asian perspective into the galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Bria, and with me are my co-hosts, Brian and Jay. Hello. On today's episode, we're talking about Dragon Age, because Bria's in a mood, and no one stopped her. So sit back and enjoy the show, and... We sort of have Brian on this week, but also sort of not, because as you may be aware, he has a small, tiny human, and apparently those take up time and energy and stuff, and also no one told me I couldn't talk about Dragon Age this week. I mean, why would we even try to stop you? You know this is your fault, right? I mean, yeah, I, I when I suggest things, they, they, they happen. I, I, I have never learned my lesson on that. Did you think that I was going to be like, what if we talked about it tonight? Oh, no. I, I, as soon as I said, what if we did? I thought this is going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. OK, so basically at this point, we will one day talk about the rise of Skywalker. One day, you know, maybe maybe when the, the next uh, Song of Ice and Fire book comes comes out that same day, we'll probably do it. Just, you know, we have the same scheduling issues, I guess. That would be really funny, actually. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, you know what, there's not even a great justification as to why we're talking about Dragon Age today, except for the fact that, well, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll save that. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so like we said, Brian will be in and out this episode, uh, but that doesn't mean we can't do the good old, and then there's this, which actually starts out with something good this week. Uh, as you're probably aware, Parasite cleaned up at the Oscars with Best Picture, um, Best is this is it currently called Best International Film? Yeah, or is currently it, okay. it was renamed to Best International. Oh, from Best Foreign Language Film. Okay. Uh Best Director and Best Original Screenplay. And if you haven't seen it yet, like me, it will be available to stream on Hulu on April 8th. Jay, you said you saw it, right? Yes. Uh I, I love this movie. Um I, it's funny because I, I had no inkling that it was gonna be this popular. I just had a, a text from a friend saying, hey, do you want to watch Parasite uh, with another friend this weekend? And I said, sure, why not? And, you know, all I knew about it was that it was South Korean, which is fine. You know, I, I'm totally down to watch foreign language films, but that movie blew me away. And I think the coolest thing about it is, and I think the reason that it gets so much um, attention is that it's extremely relatable. Um, and, you know, a lot of foreign language films are more relatable than people would think because we're all humans and we all have similar experiences, but like Parasite really, really hit a chord and it was spectacularly filmed with really, really endearing characters. I really am looking forward to watching it once it hits Hulu. Uh, yeah, I cannot wait to to see what you think of it. Yeah, me neither. And I still need to watch The Farewell, which is apparently now on Amazon Prime. That went on Amazon Prime, I think, two or three weeks ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, have you seen that one yes that's a film Um, I think you and anyone with um, family back in the home country or with relatives who immigrated or just you know who has that uh, sort of immigrant experience or any any proximity to it will feel feel this film really hard Hmm. so uh, basically I made the correct choice to go with watching PS I Still Love You on the day they both hit the streaming services so I wasn't going to be like crying my way into Katsukon. Yeah, I, I think as as far as emotions go, you probably made the right choice. 
Excellent. Which, by the way, that movie was still pretty cute. And I'm going to need both you and Brian to get on watching the adorable Asian-led rom-coms. Thank you very much. I know. I need to finish the first one. I watched half of it. I need to finish all of it. (sighs) OJ. It's just it stresses me out. Why does it stress you out? It's a rom-com. Because there's this scheme, and I know something's going to happen with the scheme, and I don't want something to happen with the scheme. Oh, boy. (sighs) I don't like it when things go wrong. I've got some real bad news for you about what we're talking about in our discussion. Yeah. 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 Uh, And other things that make me sigh. I'm just going to read this headline, because it sure is something. Prince Charles announced Katy Perry as the British Asian Trust Ambassador. I'm surprised he didn't go with Scarlett Johansson. Well, yeah. Is Katy Perry American or British? I thought she was American. This makes it even more bizarre. More confused. (laughs) I, you know what? All I saw was the headline and I kind of just refused to actually read the article and find out more about it. I'm just like, Really, Charles? Really? Yeah, it, I, at this point, uh, you know, and, and this coming from me, I, I don't know what the royal family is thinking. Like, I just don't. I mean, I, I I understand why the Sussexes wanted to leave for legitimate reasons, but also, what are they doing? Like, what is the royal family doing? I don't know, but have you seen those amazing outfits that Meghan and Harry have been, like, pulling off over the last week or so? Oh, yeah. They look like they're thriving. They look great in all their appearances. Right? Like that that green dress that she wore and then how his tux had the the lining of the suit jacket. Or not his tux, his suit. The lining of it had a a green of the exact same shade as her dress. I was like, damn, those are goals. Yeah. I also really like the red dress that she wore to match, I think, one of his uniforms. I don't think I saw that one, although I know I need to immediately look it up after we're done. Yeah, it was a it was one of those really good cape dresses. So, All yeah. I know is the uh, British media continue to be whiny about it, but it's their own fault. So I'm not yep. sympathetic to them. Nope. Uh, do you want to take the next one? Yeah, sure. So um, last week's tonight's main story from a little while ago, a couple weeks ago, I think, was on um, Aren- India and Narendra Modi. And particularly, um, it, it was sort of his main story. And it was a follow up on a piece he'd done on Modi way back in like the very first episode of the show, I think, or at least the first season. Um, about discrimination against religious minorities in India, specifically um, Muslims. Uh, The Indian government has recently passed a bunch of laws that are making it very difficult um, for the Muslim minority population, especially in the disputed state of Kashmir, but also across the country in terms of um, registering for citizenship status. I think they said something about how if you don't have um, hard proof of citizenship, um, then you can you can basically be treated as you're not, as if you're not a citizen, but then they made exceptions for basically every religious group except for Muslims, which is another way of discriminating against them. And basically the piece goes into um, all the ways that uh, the world's largest democracy um, is is struggling with issues of handling minorities. And it just goes to show that um, you know even inside Asia, um, and India is not alone with this, uh, there are issues with discrimination. Um, going on all over the place i have to say john oliver's stories like between him and uh hasan minaj i'm just like you guys are nailing it on this the sort of topics they're covering 
Because yeah, I feel like there's so many things that Americans wouldn't know about if if uh, uh, programs like both of them weren't covering them. Yeah, exactly. And, and they do. A, a, and the thing about it is they do such a good job with it, with doing a deep dive. And they're both comedy shows, which is even more impressive because they still do their homework and portray these regions respectfully while still being funny about it, too. Yeah, I think I was just watching some stuff with, uh, you know, the the. I don't want to say late night because that's not the proper term for the Patriot Act, but like those sort of shows, they'll do like the behind the scenes stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was he was doing one about when uh, when he was doing the the India focus episode and how he it was kind of like a follow up to the guy he met there. It was I, I'm not going to describe it well because I don't particularly remember any of the names or anything, but it was really interesting to hear. Um, but yeah, no, so I'm glad they're. I am glad that more shows are continuing to put focus on the rest of the world and not just be so America focused. Um, all right, let's see what's next on here. Oh, <laughs> oh, this is funny. Uh, supposedly the production company that did Ghost of the Shell was so dismayed by the whitewashing controversy that they're wary of casting non-Asians in Asian roles ever again. To which I say, gold star, mate. Well done. <laughs> Wow, they're actually wary of casting non-Asians in Asian roles. Huh. Oh, boy. I I mean, congratulations on getting here. It took you a while, but congratulations. I... Yeah. <laughs> what else can you even say to that? I just... They could have avoided all this in the first place. But, you know, they had to do it. Yep. On a happier note, uh, there was a trailer for The Green Knight that dropped, what, uh, two or three weeks ago, maybe? Time means nothing anymore. But it's starring Dev Patel, and it looks incredible. I think my entire timeline, like, lost its shit after that ep- that trailer dropped. Um, You saw the trailer, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That trailer was spectacular. And... It's really cool, and and I, and I think I kind of want to talk about how um, you know. So Dev Patel is is it's it's an it's an author it's like an Arthurian um, story, and Dev Patel is playing a role that would normally be played by someone of European ancestry, and it's worth highlighting how this is different from things like Ghost in the Shell because of the lack of relative lack of opportunities that minorities might have in filmmaking, and especially how you know. Starring in one film is a pathway to starring in future films. And so if certain roles are automatically closed off to minorities and they're unable to compete for them, that makes it more difficult for films to be diverse. And so things like Green Knight, where they're casting minorities in roles that minorities usually wouldn't get, are good. Just like how Hamilton was spectacular for its portrayal of American history using people of color, even though, of course, that's not what the historical figures they were depicting were was great because it gave other people not only a chance to perform on that spectacular show but to see themselves in american history which is all of our history as well so i think that's sort of a big difference between uh depriving an asian actor of a role for an asian character versus an asian actor playing a role that an asian actor might normally might not normally be allowed to play Plus, it also highlights the fact that um, um, there were actually people of color 
in medieval Europe. Like they, they didn't just appear one day. Like this is perhaps, I mean, granted the Arthur's a myth and a legend all and all that, but the idea, and a lot of people will use things like, well, why weren't like, oh yeah, there weren't more people of color in Game of Thrones. Cause you know, that's just how it was back then. You're like, well, first of all, Westeros is fake. Uh, but second of all, there were in fact people of color around and it's cool to see show uh movies like this put that's true like like people of color didn't just appear when when they were colonized in the 17th and 18th century like they were around and especially um like in the mediterranean region of europe with lots of trade and stuff going on but even even in england you know you, you would have seen people of turkish ancestry and arabian ancestry and african ancestry because people moved around even back then and there's this sort of fantasy we have and i use fantasy on purpose of a completely white medieval world that doesn't exist and sometimes people like to use it as an excuse to to, to have films only full of white people to say well it's we're not being racist it's just this is what the middle ages looked like except the middle ages never did look like that exactly um and i'm also really excited for this movie because one i'm pretty sure this is the one that Aaron Kellyman is cast in, right? I think so. Yeah, uh, of Enfys Nest fame. And also because I was looking up the production company that's worked on this, and they have made some of my favorite films over the last uh, the last couple of years, including Ex Machina, which is, if you haven't seen that, have you seen it? I have not, but my friends have been telling me to see it for ages. Oh, it's so good. Like, that's one of those movies I walked out of there and I was like, this movie confused me and it hurt my brain and I'm so happy for the privilege. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to see what they do with Green Knight. Uh, and that that comes out in the next couple mo- months, maybe? No? Let's see. Maybe. Uh, time means nothing anymore, I swear. I know. Part, part of the problem is we sort of um, have been trying to record this episode for a while and some of our news segments are... I've been no, around I've, for a while. No, I've transferred them over each time. Oh, I know, but I'm saying that we've had these around for a while, is what I'm oh. saying. Okay, yeah, Green Knight apparently May 29th. Oh, yeah, so it is soon then. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do trans... Okay, so this episode got bumped by a week or two, but, like, I do transfer the new segments each time from each podcast episode. <laughs> I do delete the old ones out. <laughs> um, yeah. That's awesome. I'll have to add that to my list. Uh, do you want to take the next one? I'm not familiar with this one. Sure. Um, so Sandra O oh is supposed to be leading a six episode uh, Netflix series called The Chair about basically chairing a university English department. We don't have a lot of information about it. Um, we do know that Sandra O oh is going to be playing the role of the main character. So she'll be the actual chair of the uh, English uh, department, um, and unfortunately, um, uh, well, unfortunately, Game of Thrones creators have a role in producing this film, but you know, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Oh well, Sandra, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Um, so in things that I guess the, uh, Game of Thrones creators are not related or have any role in, uh, there was a new graphic novel that came out by Min Lee and Andy Tong called Green Lantern Legacy, which has a young Vietnamese American boy find out that 
he is that his grandmother's ring is actually Green Lantern Corp's ring. Uh, and it's really, really cool. I got to see a little preview of this because I believe the writer was actually at an event I went to at Phantom Comics a couple months ago. Um, but it looked it looked really neat, and it's always cool to see things like the Green Lantern books reaching out and making more of an effort to be diverse because that's such an easy that's such an easy superhero role to where it could be anyone um and in dc's defense this is hardly the first person of color they're having become a green lantern uh they've had a pretty good history of that recently but yeah i there was a cool interview that jay linked to in our show notes that i'm really enjoying it's titled uh green lantern legacy reminds us the heroism is found close to home so i'd absolutely recommend googling that if you have a chance yeah it's interesting i i I guess um for someone like me who's not familiar with the green lantern so the green lantern is sort of i guess uh, correct me if i'm wrong a superhero role that can move from person to person as opposed to them changing who it is so it comes with the rings so and i'm not like a dc expert but the best way to think about them is kind of like space cops in a way um, the Green Lantern Corps is kind of comprised of beings throughout the galaxy and the power kind of goes through their ring and they have a lantern that's sort of attached to it. That's sort of like the battery for it and all. But for the Green Lanterns, it's powered by your will, your willpower. Um, so like one of the first Green Lanterns in on Earth or that we knew about was Hal Jordan. Uh, and then like, uh, John Stewart got the ring and then the other guy whose name I always forget. Cause I think he's, Oh, Kyle Rayner was, had a ring. Um, and most recently I'm going to Google this really quickly so I don't get the names wrong. Um, cause a friend of mine actually was working on, uh, the Green Lantern series a couple of years ago and he was writing it where it, it was kind of like a team up. So uh, Jessica Cruz and Simon Boz were kind of tag teaming covering earth for the green lantern Corps, Um, and they were both obviously characters of color. Jessica was Hispanic. And I think she, she was dealing with anxiety and Simon was, I believe Muslim American. And it was a really, it was a really cool take, especially because, you know, a lot of the times it's the solo, the solo lantern, but they were they're working together in tandem. And then John Stewart's African American, right? Yes. Yeah. One of the few things I actually know, just because I kept confusing him with the comedian a lot, and that's why I am familiar with that character. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, why that's are people funny. talking about the comedian being a superhero? Like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Um. And then they're bad guys with the Yellow Lanterns. Who are powered by something that I have never remember because I'm a Marvel person. Um, but no, I think the uh, I think that would be a pretty cool uh, that graphic lantern or the graphic lantern. The graphic novel seems like it would be a really good entry point for someone who doesn't necessarily know about the Green Lanterns very much or about DC or the superheroes. So it definitely looks like I think it's definitely worth picking up at some point. Um, I'm gonna let you take the next bunch because i'm not as familiar with this one sure so um a couple of the uh, tashi station slack contributors uh gave us some of the next stories uh, one of them is that a major is a new production company focused on asian american con content and it has been launched by 15 year industry veteran mary lee 
among the uh, projects that are being uh, launched by this projection company are, I believe, a th in a thing called Love, which is uh, Yulin Kwang's uh, adaptation of Marine Gu's 2015 novel about a Korean-American girl who uses Korean drama techniques to woo the boy of her dreams. There is a uh, there's an untitled autobiograph autobiographical project based on the high school experiences of Courtney Kang, who is a fresh-off-the-boat co-executive producer. And Courtney Kang is both writing and making her feature directorial debut with that untitled uh, project about herself. And then there is a project called We Stan, about female friends who are also fellow K-pop stands. And then finally, uh, the company is also putting together an untitled TV series produced by Gemma Chan and others. That's a lot. Yeah. So that's awesome, it, though. It's kind of cool. It's an it's entire production company focused on Asian American content because it can get it can be difficult for cool projects to get greenlit, and so it's it's nice to have a company helping some of these projects get a leg up. Cool. I'll look forward to seeing these, especially the one uh, being produced by Gemma Chan. Hopefully she's also in it. I had a feeling. She, listen, she's gorgeous and she's talented and I will happily watch her in whatever movie she is in, including that weird Mary Queen of Scots film. Um, yeah. Speaking of actresses, Asian actresses who I adore, uh, Deacon Lockwood apparently joined the cast of Jurassic World 3. And if I wasn't going to watch that already, I absolutely am now. Um, I don't think we know anything much more than that, do we? Uh, I don't think so. Just that she joined the cast. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh, Mulan, the, uh, the live action Disney version. It had its Hollywood premiere last night. So stars were walking the red carpet and both the Mulans looked drop dead gorgeous. Did you see their dresses? I have not. Uh, go on my Twitter right now. and go Okay. Look. Uh, Ming-Na Wen attended, obviously, uh, even though she was previously just the voice of Mulan in the animated film. And I think she looked even more beautiful than she did for, um, for the animated films premiere. Like her, their dresses are gorgeous. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I'm seeing it now. Yeah. Wow. Oh, and those are, uh, those are Phoenixes on, uh, the new Mulan's dress. Oh, that is perfect, especially yeah. given like the movie and everything. Yeah. Um, the reactions that I've seen so far seem to be fairly positive. Um, some people have said like the villains are a little bit weak, um, but overall, people seem to be pretty happy with it. That even though there's some nods to the animated film, but it's able to like move forward and stand on its own as a movie. Which I'm excited. To see. I really am excited to see this. Uh, I'm curious to see what's what they're gonna do. I've, I hope they're able to elevate the material more than some of the other Disney films have. I really wish they had been able to get, or they had made more of an effort to get Asian, uh, Asian people working on it behind the scenes. Because, come on, Disney. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I think 
I think what I'm excited about is, at least from what we've heard, they're, they're, they weren't trying to make a shot-by-shot remake of the original film, which is kind of the flaw of the other animated remakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were trying to be more faithful to the actual um, you know, underlying Chinese stories about Mulan. So I'm very interested to see how that works out. And you know, from what we've seen from the trailers, it looks really good. I love the costuming. I love how it feels more historical than... Uh, some of the other remake animated remake films. Um, so I am very excited to see it in just a couple of weeks. It looks like right, crazy. I can't believe it's already March. I know. It, I, I just looked at the date. And I'm like, how how is it releasing so soon? And it's yeah. March. That's why. Right. Uh, we're thinking about talking about it on the Kanji Cast. Uh, it'll probably be later than we had originally talked about because our schedule keeps getting blown to hell. <laughs> Okay, Jay is my witness. I had a very good, very like well thought out schedule that I like sent to the guys in January. And then things just kept getting moved around and around and around. And it hasn't necessarily been anyone's fault. Like it's all been things that are out of our control. But <laughs> Yeah, there was in fact a plan. She's right. She put it together and and yet we're here. Then I had to make another plan. And then I blew my plan to hell today. Um because will we ever talk about the rise of Skywalker? I don't know. Probably. Maybe. Who knows? Um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, in other news, uh, this is kind of a bit of a um, a self-indulgent thing. But I wanted to mention that the uh, there's a new book that came out the other week called Rebel Wing by Andrea Tang. Uh I wanted to mention it because it's by an Asian American author and it's her debut novel. And it is a YA book that's told. So, you know how, like, there's in YA dystopian stuff, there's like the war and then yeah. it ends, right? Right. So, this story is told like 20 years after that war ends. And it's about the kids of the generation of teenagers who, like, what fought and won that previous war. Oh. Yeah, and it's set in uh, what was once the D.C. area. Uh, She's actually local to us, Jay, which is pretty cool. Um, And it's about uh, a prep school girl who also has a smuggling side hustle because (laughs) she's not quite as privileged as some of her classmates, and girls got to do what a girl's got to do. And one day she's trying to smuggle literature across the wall to the other country or wherever where they don't have like freedom of books and she gets caught and she makes a run for it and runs straight into a uh giant mecha dragon that accidentally imprints on her oh boy yeah so and then you know there's someone who had been training his entire life basically to be able to pilot this mecha dragon one day and it imprinted on her so she's getting pulled into this this conflict, even though she really doesn't want to, and all she really wants to do is like pass her exams and everything. And it's the beautiful, perfect mix of that prep school stress with Mecha Dragon. And I cannot emphasize the Mecha Dragon enough. Now, do she and uh, without spoiling it, but uh, do do she and the Mecha Dragon become best friends? Because who doesn't want a, a adorable dragon pet? I wouldn't call the dragon adorable. All dragons are adorable. Rebel Wing is doing her best. But yeah, no, the protagonist, her name, her uh, name is Prudence, is Prudence, and she's all, Prue is great. 
It's got a cool, diverse cast. And yeah, so you guys should go buy Rebel Wing because who does not want to read a book about a prep school student and a mecha dragon? I mean, admittedly, I'm actually very intrigued right now. Mecha dragon. Mecha dragon. I'm just going to keep saying mecha dragon. (laughs) And I like the whole generation after the kids who saved the world generation thing. That's really intriguing to me. Right? Like, there's a... There's a part where like her mom just storms in and is really mad at like the new head of whatever the new group is. And you're just like, oh, right. They're old war buddies. She's allowed to talk to this dude like this. She's not going to get in trouble. <laughs> and it's great. Yeah, you'll love you'll love the mom. Excellent. Um, And then let's see what else. Uh, and then finally, uh, it seems worthy of noting that Fresh Off the Boat had its final aired its final episode the other week um we've talked about the show on here before obviously and there was definitely some controversy that happened with constance Wu and the renewals the other year but the show came to its end and um i think it's worth noting that having that show on for as many seasons as we as we did was definitely an achievement uh I'm still shocked we got more than three seasons and the cast was all great. It was really cool getting to see the kids grow up in front of us. Um, I'm kind of glad they ended it. They probably could have gone one more season because I think Eddie was a junior and not a senior, but it was good to see them sort of bring it to a close now and not try to keep coming up with reasons for, uh, for keeping Eddie around you know how it always is when someone goes to college and like the other half of the show doesn't. Oh yeah. They always say, well, you know, I went to a local college or, you know, which, 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 you know, people do, but it, it, it sometimes strains the storytelling a bit. Yeah. So it, if it had to come to an end, they did a pretty good job of coming to a, to a natural end. Um, and I hope that all of those actors have long and varied careers because they're all pretty darn talented. And I have to say, like, you know, since this is sort of the show's last hurrah, um, how awesome it is to have a show like that in the first place. Like, we've talked about it before, but to have, um, you know, a normal sitcom, but about an Asian family, I think meant a lot to all of us. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, So, yeah, so the show will be missed and hopefully we get to see get to see them in other roles and if randall park wants to be in gets to be in the mcu more i will be very very happy <laughs> um all right well that was a bit of a downer note to end on we went from a super high note to like a downer note but uh shall we talk about our discussion topic let's do it <laughs> because if you think i have planned very much you would be wrong um the show notes are basically me keyboard smashing as I was playing Dragon Age 2 before I opened this up. So we're going to talk about Dragon Age. Um, hey, y'all, what did I miss? Are we get to the Rise of Skywalker discussion yet? Yeah, we're going to talk about it right now. Um, we're going to talk about the part where Hawk totally stabs um, stabs the Canari. Did you not get that part? Oh, no, I didn't get that memo. That one wasn't in your movie? No, I, I didn't get that one in my movie. Did Star Wars pull a clue and I didn't realize it? Um, hmm. Uh, did you see the part where um, where Liliana walks out and like someone asks her what her name is and she says Liliana Skywalker? Oh, I, that part I think I saw. 
Mm-hmm. Did you see how the main climax of the movie was centered around a formal court ball at the Winter's pal- at the Winter Palace? Definitely did not see that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jay, never change. Never, I never change. will. I I know. Uh, in the notes, I want. I just want it known that beneath me writing Dragon Age, I'll make it up. Jay wrote, Tevinter is the best and fancy court balls are good. So why are we talking about this? Uh, number one, because it's our podcast and we make the rules. Number two, because the anthology called Tevinter Nights came out today. And it's the first some of the first new Dragon Age content we've gotten in a while. And Tevinter is pretty relevant to us. We'll talk about that later. And number three, because Jay said, what if we just talked about, or rather, number three, because I said, what if I just played Dragon Age and used that as an excuse to not record tonight? And Jay said, what if we talked about Dragon Age? And I said, oh my God, that would be great. Really, can we do it? And Brian didn't say no. This is correct. I did not say no. <laughs> um. So I was going to start with uh, talking about the different games, but really quickly... Or rather, do you guys want to answer why you like Dragon Age first? Or should we do like the super quick rundown of the series first for anyone who hasn't played Dragon Age before? Uh, Let's do the rundown first. Okay. Dragon Age Origins. You have one of like six different origins. But either way, you get recruited into this group called the Grey Wardens, who are the only people who can like basically defeat the Dark Spawn from taking over Thetis. In the meantime, this real dickhead named Loghain, has conspired for the king to die and taken over control of the country. So you and your friends have to run around West... Um, I almost said Westeros. That's not right. Run Ooh, around that's Ferelden. That's definitely not right. <laughs> right? <laughs> run around Ferelden and, like, collect all these different allies so that way you guys can stand together when you're like, yo, Loghain, you're not going to be king. And then you have to stand up against the Darkspawn invasion, which is happening. And like Logan is like, la, 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 I can't hear you. Um, and defeat the dragon, who is the spirit of an ancient magister, and possibly make out with someone hot along the way. Is that more or less Dragon Age Origins? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's yeah. the gist of it. Dragon Age 2 is set a little bit afterwards, but you play Hawk, who can be either male or female, depending on your choices, and you and your family are fleeing the blight of Darkspawn, and you go to Kirkwall, which is the worst decision you make in your entire life, because everything goes awfully, so terribly awfully. At least one of your siblings dies. Your mother dies. There's a Kanari invasion. You have to stop the Kanari invasion. And then the mages and the Templars are at each other's throats because Templars suck and mages should be free. And then your friend and or possibly boyfriend, depending on what you do, makes a really bad life choice and decides to blow up the Chantry and then sparks a war between the mages and the Templars. And everything sucks and your life is the worst, but you have a lot of bisexual disaster friends you made along the way. Seriously, they are all bisexual disaster friends. That is literally accurate. Except for Sebastian, but no one likes him. I don't care for Sebastian. (laughs) And then Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, You once again get to choose your origin, but you are at this big conclave between the mages and the Chantry, who are the Templars, except things go wrong. Mostly they go boom. And now there's a big green hole in the sky and like the lady Pope is dead and you have this big green thing on your hand and you're like, what? 
And then essentially everyone's like, it's fine. We're all fine. And some people who worked for the divine previously are like, yeah, but what if we start an inquisition? Because this always goes well. And so you gather together your enemies and you discover that Corypheus is behind it all. And he's some ancient adventure magister. And you have to stop him because it's going to be the end of the world. Because he's trying to destroy it. Um, something, something, something. You probably make out with something, someone. There's a big fancy ball in the middle. There's a lot of trauma as well. And you stop Corypheus. Except then your dickhead friend Solus leaves. And a couple of years later, you have to stop him. Because it turns out he's actually the Dread Wolf. And eggs are bad. And that's Dragon Age Inquisition, I think. Wait, wait you, you, you mean there's more to the games outside the Hinterlands? Yes! <laughs> that was <Whoa>. my problem. <laughs> <coughs> I'm not actually sure I described Dragon Age Inquisition very well. It's a hard game to describe because it's like by far the biggest one and so many different things happen and the plot makes twists at you that are very good for the lore of the universe, but also they come at you fast and, you know, unexpectedly. Yeah. Yeah. And and plus, uh, the the really cool thing about the games is that in each game, you play a different character, but all of your choices come together at the end of the game or at like through each game. So your the choices you might have in Inquisition are very different from the choices you might have had that like I, that Jay might have had. Um, there's definitely a point where you have to make a choice between two people who lives and who dies. Those can be very different people. <laughs> Yeah, and, and depending on, like, the decisions you made even way back in the first game, like, you might see a certain important character show up as a king, or they might show up as a drunken, depressed person in a bar. Like, there are significant changes to the overall universe of the games that happen based on what you've done in each of the games. Yeah, and some of your companions might betray you, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. <laughs> if you or you might betray some of them, just saying. <sighs> yeah. All right, so what is, for everyone, What's which one's your favorite of the games and why? Uh, Dragon Age 2 for me, just because it's got that fan found family shit that's absolutely my jam. For me, definitely Inquisition. I think it, it's sort of, they got, they, they, ref, they refined their sense of what they wanted the universe to look like. It's the biggest, most diverse game in terms of settings and, and cultures and countries. And my two favorite uh and uh, side characters in it, and I just love them digging deeper into the mythology and, and lore behind everything. Plus, fancy court ball. Typical Jay. Uh, my favorite is Dragon Age 2 because I'm a monster who feeds on pain, including my own pain, and that movie reduced me to like just sitting there trying to remember how to breathe at least multiple times. I, I cried at the end game. Um, because Anders hurt me very, very badly. Um, <laughs> but no, I love, I love games that make you feel something and Dragon Age, every single one of the games makes you feel something because you really do become your protagonist character. And when someone betrays you or someone lies to you, it hurts because it feels like it happened to you. Yeah. And Dragon Age 2 did a great job of like, 
giving you a family, which like you kind of got in the origins of the first game, but that was over really quickly. Whereas like your family is a much stronger presence in the second game. And then your party members, like Brian said, become your found family. So it, it got like the, the people connection part, the strongest. Yeah. Um, like I would die like in the in Dragon Age 2, either at least one of your siblings dies like at the beginning of the game. And it depends on what class you're playing as. And Hopefully Carver. I, uh, who needs Carver? No Carver's one, the worst. No one needs Carver. Oh, man. But I would die for Bethany. Like she's such a good, sweet girl who deserves the best things in life. And she is why. She's why I can never like Fenris, who is just always, he calls my sister an it, and that's just not acceptable. I don't care about your traumatic background. You don't call my little sister an it. <sighs> I had some feelings. And that's why I betrayed him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. We're going to dig into this for a minute because. Yeah, I, I know it's explain... bad. Okay, listen, listen. I know it's bad. But just. Listen. No, 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 no. You need to explain to people what exactly you do and to who you do it to. Because I don't like Fenris either, but like, he's an elf who was a former slave who had experiments done on him and who really, really, really doesn't like magic and who does not want to be a slave again. And what did you do, Jay? Well, I, I, I returned him to his master because he was being mean to me and being mean to mages and he was just unpleasant to be around. Damn, Jay. This, 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 told. this was on my blood mage, blood mage playthrough of that game, which was, I think, actually the last time. Dragon Age 2 was the last time I think I ever played an evil character in a video game because that and some of the other decisions you could do were like some of the, the worst they would ever let you do in a video game. And so I don't think I've ever played a villain in a game since that game came out. Wow. Actually, let's talk about the morality in the game a little bit. Uh, because it's not like in KOTOR or in Mass Effect where it has a morality meter that like says, okay, this is the good, this is the good person choice or this is the bad person choice. Like the only meters are the ones of how much your friends like you. Well, and also honestly, how much disgust you feel with yourself. Cause like as much as I joke about like doing, um, evil things, I think in the first two games when I was playing my blood mage characters, which are not my main canon characters, by the way, but like it really sort of. Put, takes a personal toll on you and then like conversely when you're playing a good guy like one of the things you can do is for example donate to the chantry or donate to orphans or whatever and you pay gold and you don't get any reward like you don't get any light side points or any bonus or any enlightenment because just like in the real world you know doing good is supposed to be its own reward you don't get some magical power you know as a reward for doing good which i really like brian what's your take on the whole morality in dragon age I like that it's a lot more complicated than the uh, than the uh, more binary systems in um, Knights of the Old Republic or Mass Effect because it's it's a little less clear what various choices means as far as good and bad goes. So it it feels like it feels like the choices you make have more consequence. Yeah, this feels like one of the games I'll never be able to do a completionist playthrough for because I. There's a point in Origins where you have to, a Templar begs you to like murder every single mage who's around and, and you understand why he does it. It's still wrong, but you understand why he does it because he's been tortured for days by like blood mages and, um, and demons. But at the same time, I'm like, that's a step too far. You, I could, 
never possibly do this. It's just, yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Oh, Colin. Um. All right. We're getting to what I called the thirst section, and I'm not sorry about any of this. <laughs> I I have no shame. Um. So question one is. Who is your who are your favorite love interests in the game? And you can either say like overall or who you your preferred romance is in each game. Okay. I've got a one A and a one B. One Go for it. One A is Isabella, one B is Alistair. So apparently I have a thing for snarky people. Aw. What about an Inquisition? Or has it been too long since you played it? It's been too long since I've played Inquisition, unfortunately. So I I I've just started uh another playthrough of the game, so I'll have better answers in three, four months. <laughs> Jay, I think I know who at least one of them is, but continue. Oh yeah, you definitely know who my answer for Inquisition is. Uh, so for Origins, it's Alistair, and not just because you can marry him for the throne, although you can marry him for the throne. Um, he's <laughs> you also, totally married him for the throne, didn't you? He's also a very endearing oaf, which is, you know, part of his charm. Uh, he loves for- cheese. Oh, he does. Excellent. I just love that he enjoys when I call him an idiot, he plays along. I enjoy that. Um, uh, Dragon Age 2, Marilyn. Meryl, because she's an adorable blood mage who's trying to rediscover her culture, which I really enjoyed. And then Inquisition, and also my favorite overall, Josephine, because how could it not be Josephine? She's so perfect. I would do anything for Lady Josephine. Like she, she just needs me to bow down and kiss her feet. I'll do it. She needs to step on me. That's fine. She needs me to fight a duel for her honor, any day. And and to give her her full and proper name, it's uh, Lady Josephine Charette Montelier. Because you know, yeah. You're just being an overachiever right now. <laughs> I know. I think she'd appreciate it though. Hold on, wait. I want to see if you can do this off the top of your head. What's uh, Lady Cassandra's full name? She has like 30 names. There's no way I can do her name off the top of my head. Although that is one of my favorite parts of the game, bar none. I, I was kind of curious to see if you actually knew it off the top of your head. I should probably memorize it before I make that costume. Um, so for me, I like Jay for Inquisition. My favorite love interest is Lady Josephine. Um, she's just so perfect and wonderful. And you really do get to fight a duel for her honor and like against her betrothed. And it's great. Um in Origins, uh, my answer is Alistair, although if the game would let me embrace polyamory and make out with Morgan, who is at least bisexual, if not a lesbian, as a woman, uh, and Alistair, I would be really happy. Uh, in the meantime, I'll just settle for a crown, I guess. And then in Dragon Age 2, because I'm a monster who likes pain, Anders. Oh, that way leads to heartbreak. It did. It really did, but um, so we haven't actually. Anders is for anyone who's listening to this who doesn't know about Dragon Age, and we're spoiling it all for you. He's a mage who really just wants to be free, and he just wants to have a cat. His cat names are Pounce a lot, and the chantry keeps being like, "Yeah, mages don't get to be free," and dragging him back, and he gets sort of a uh, melded with a spirit of justice, and it goes really, really poorly really poorly he does bad things (laughs) very 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 bad things but i still love him but he did some bad things which hey guys it's okay to love characters who do bad things 
Don't, even if they're somewhat justified in some way or another, you can still admit that they are bad things. Uh, this is my shocked Pikachu face right now. <laughs> I'm not, listen, I'm not subtweeting anyone in particular. I'm just saying. Also, Anders is way better than Kylo Ren. Oh, whoops, I said it. Well, he is. Right? Well, I think we've done our Rise of Skywalker discussion now. We don't need to have an episode on it. Yep, we're good. <laughs> Got it covered. <laughs> All right, next question. Who is the hottest person in Thetis? Archdemon. Jay. <laughs> Jay. Oh, fine. Do I? Okay. Uh, Morgan, specifically in Inquisition. In the ball gown? Yes. That's a good choice. Okay, so you all expect me to say a companion, but it's actually default face Lady Hawk. Please hold. I need to look this up. Because <laughs> I never actually use the default Marion. I automatically <laughs> go directly to the one that makes the family look Asian. Which is absolutely a valid and good call. And now Twitter's being really, really so. Ooh! Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, that's valid. Uh huh. That's that's super valid. Damn. Congratulations, Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think I'm gonna say Dorian. Not in a I would like to sleep with Dorian way because he wouldn't be interested, which is fine. Like we can just be besties, but. The man has style, and I respect that. Also, Lady Josephine. He's got yep. some, he's definitely got some uh, big Seahawk energy going there. Oh, God. <laughs> you know he screams adventure. No, Bull screams adventure. <laughs> Dorian sighs loudly. <laughs> and, and Dorian's last name Pavis is Latin for peacock, so his his exceptional style is just perfect for him. Yeah, that's his house emblem too. Excellent. Oh, it is. I did not know that actually. Yeah, apparently for his romance, um, what you have like there's something that he had to pawn off when he left to Venter in a hurry when he needed the money, and part of the romance thing is you go and you get it back for him, even though he's like, it's fine. <laughs> Because that's what you do in Dragon Age. Your companion's like, look, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you about it. Please don't do anything about it. It's fine. And then you go off and do it. And your companion's like, what did I just tell you? (laughs) (laughs) That is basically every romance. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Also, I think we'd be kind of remiss if someone did not bring up the Iron Bull. Like, not necessarily my type. But the Iron Bull. (laughs) Ryan, do you have thoughts about the bull? Um, and how he's voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> that is a I, sweet canary tree that so many people would like to climb. Oh my goodness! I, really, it was only appropriate to have him be voiced by Freddie Prince Jr., wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I sh- Krem. I haven't mentioned Krem. Good, sweet boy. Oh, Krem. Yeah, we can talk more about him in the Tevinter section. Um, so since we could only say the F-bomb once on here, I guess it can't be F, Mary kill, so it's a, what's the euphemism? Frack? Let's there go we frack. go. That's a yeah. good, that's a good substitute. All right. 
You guys gonna have fun with this one? Oh Blackberry Kill. Solace. Blackwall. Or Sebastian. Ugh. Oh. Oh. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. Can I kill All myself? Right. Okay, no. I, I've, I've got this. I'll just rip off the band-aid right now. Um, frack Sebastian, because it would make him really upset and full of self-loathing. <laughs> um, kill Blackwall, because he's irredeemable. And then I guess marry the egg, because maybe there's some sort of universal cosmic power I'll get as a reward. I don't know. Brian? Uh... I can, do you want me to say mine? Please. All right. We're going to kill the egg because may the dread wolf take him. Uh, I guess we'll frack black wall, a black wall because maybe there's something attractive beneath the beard. I don't know. And then I'll marry Sebastian because then I can be the lady of Starkhaven and I can accidentally murder him one day and take over. Valid. Yeah, very valid. Um <sighs> Kill Solus. Frack Blackwall. Marry Sebastian as well. And much for the same reasons. <laughs> Just, ugh. ugh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, let me do a slightly nicer one. Um, Morgan, Cassandra, Isabella. Hmm. Oh man, that's actually not nice. I don't know who I kill. Oh no. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. At least, at least they're all awesome people this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So Cassandra, Isabella, and who? Um, Morgan. Morgan. Okay. Um, frack Isabella. Always smart. Kill Cassandra. Marry Morgan for cosmic power. I would hope. You know you're just making a little demon baby, right? I know we're just making a little demon baby, but what's the worst that could happen from a little demon baby? You don't remember Inquisition very well, do you? <laughs> uh, 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 I mean, it can't can't be that bad. <laughs> yeah. Jay? Um. So, my original instinct was actually to marry Morrigan for similar reasons because of the old god baby who is not a demon, by the way, and is very wise uh, for his age and is voiced by uh, Claudia Black's son, by the way, which is kind of adorable for the game, um, her actual real life son. Um, but I because I, I really like that sort of old god baby, especially if you like you listen to his lines and like he gives sort of insights on the universe. He's, he's old magic and old magic should be preserved. So I guess I'll marry Morrigan. Um, I will kill Isabella because she's probably done some sort of bad pirate thing to double cross me and I don't know how to coming, I guess. And then uh, that leaves uh, fracking uh, Cassandra, which 
hopefully her Navarran relatives don't all come kill me for that. <laughs> or her. She might do it too. <laughs> okay, these are all going to be... I like that we're all going to have different ones for this because my answer is kill Isabella because she wouldn't take it personally. And we'd probably have fun fighting. Like, I'm assuming we're going to do a little bit of wrestling first. Um, <laughs> Frack Morgan. And then I will marry Cassandra because she also appreciates good fiction. And I can <laughs> with by talking to Varric and being like, so how about giving me an early copy of your next book? Oh, my God. You guys would share fake recommendations. Exactly. Oh, my God. Exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, one more. Fedris Alistair Cullen. Jay, I'm sorry. These are all, <laughs> these are more targeted at Brian. <laughs> Ooh. Hmm. Ah, well, this one's tricky. Um, which I will say, Cullen. Colin definitely got multiple glow-ups throughout the game. He, if you look at him in Origins, oh god, no thank you. He he did. Um, okay, it's definitely going to be Frack Fenris, because <sighs> he's just pretty, okay? He's very pretty. <laughs> he is pretty. Probably glows in the dark, I guess. Yeah, most likely. Ooh, that'd uh, be fun. And his voice is good. Mary Alistair, for all the same reasons that I did in Dragon Age Origins, and I'm sorry, kill Colin. Jay? Um, well, I mean, it, it is actually kind of easy because kill Fenris because he deserves it. Um, marry Alistair because the crown. And then uh, frack Cullen because he's whoever's left and does get a glow up in the third one, I guess. <laughs> Oh, yeah, actually, mine's the same as Jay, because by Fenris, you're dead in a heartbeat. I marry Alistair, and then we can just be fun and, you know, have share the throne, and he also likes dogs. And, yeah, Colin and I can have some fun, I guess. I don't know. All right. <laughs> that was more fun for me than it was for you guys, I think. <laughs> I had fun. I could do one more. Ooh, I got one more. Okay. Warden, Hawk, Inquisitor. Ooh. Hmm. You know, probably Mary Warden, Frack Hawk, kill the Inquisitor. <gasps> hmm. I can find. Are you, you got yours? Kill the in, kill the warden because the calling is going to do it anyway. So I'd feel that less mean about killing one of them. Uh, Mary, the Inquisitor, and Frack Hawk, because that just seems like the most entertaining option. I feel like Fracking Hawk is like always the best choice. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I mean, wasn't I, that the, wasn't the, the entire point of Dragon Age Two? Yes. Well, except you were Hawk, but yes. Um. So yeah. So Frack Hawk. Uh, I would marry the Inquisitor because she and I have some unfinished business with a stupid bad egg. And like, I would really like to see her get her, you know, her revenge on him. And uh, sorry, Warden, but 
I mean, it's the warden's actually. I think it's interesting because the warden's the only one who can die. So, well, in the in their own game, that is. Oh, that's so, true. If you don't do the ritual. Yeah. So, uh, the warden. Let me go with the warden. Okay. Third section over. My notes for this say to Vinter. Just talk about Rome, Jay, and also representations. We can tie this back to the podcast topic. All right, I'm going to talk about Rome. Strap in. Um, yeah, Tevinter. Oh my God, the Tevinter Imperium is probably one of the reasons I first started playing this game in the first place. Like, I picked it up pretty much like a week or two before it came out because it was a Bioware RPG and they had uh, street cred with me because of Kotor. But Tevinter and, and the background behind it and its magic was what drew me in. First of all, it's obviously the Roman Empire of this uh, fantasy universe, but then the cool thing about, like, Tevinter and the backstory about the Fade and blood magic and all that is it's basically, like, real-life history about, like, pagan blood sacrifices and demons, except actually really happening. The blood sacrifices are the blood magic, and the demons are actually demons, and the Templars and the Chantry are trying to stamp that out, and you have the Crusades and everything, so like, I love everything about it. Um, and then in the Dragon Age setting itself, like, we've never been to Devinter yet, we just know it's it's the oldest human civilization, it's got all this magical like legacy, you see its ruins everywhere, like the roads and its baths and everything, and you know, I, I love Rome, but then I love what they've done with Tevinter and the fact that it's it's a declining empire. It's still there. It has its issues. And we start learning. The more we learn about it, the more interesting and more diverse it gets. Like it starts out um, being sort of a generic villain. Like we have we have a couple of um, Tevinter characters in Dragon Age Origins, a slaver. And then we have another slaver in dragon age 2 and they're sort of gen- generically mediterranean looking like italian or greek because drawing back to the rome thing and then we get to dragon age inquisition um and that's where things get really interesting um on the representation side first of all we have dorian pavis who's one of my favorite characters in, in dragon age if not my favorite um He's very deliberately, um, they very deliberately cast a South Asian actor to voice him, and they portrayed him as a South Asian. And David Gator said that was on purpose because Tevinter, um, that was their chance to get some more diversity into um, what is what was otherwise previously mostly a white medieval setting. Um, and Tevinter's in the north, which in Thetis being in the southern dimension made it a warmer climate and they gave it a chance to have more people of color there along with um, Ravain, uh, where we see Isabella and all that from. And Dorian's just cool. He, he's, he's, he's almost like a self-insert if we can, if we can get that because he's a South Asian Tevinter character who sees Tevinter, loves everything about it, um, but then realizes it has its flaws. Like it, it, it's, it, it, it's done evil. It has slavery. It does blood magic. And he kind of, he loves his country and its history and wants to fix it. Um, and then the other side of representation is, of course, Krem. Uh, Bray, do you want to talk about Krem since Krem uh, is one of your favorites? Sure. I mean, Dorian's also, I would probably, I would die for both Dorian and Krem. Um, but uh, it actually ties to both of them in that the Tevinter Imperium is pretty homophobic, uh, which is a drastic change from the rest of Thetis uh, to the point where there's a point, there's a part in Dorian's quest where you go and meet with his dad and Dorian's like, I prefer the company of other men. And you're like, yeah. 
and and he's like that's not done in Tevinter. you're supposed to be a good little a good little altus and marry the girl and produce the next thing and you don't you know if you sleep with other men it's done quietly and you don't talk about it um and that extends to uh trans characters and creme is one of the first trans characters we see in a bioware game um he had to leave the imperium because that's not accepted there and he fell in with bulls chargers um <clears throat> the one not so great thing about on like the outside part um or the outer world part for creme is that he is voiced by a female actress but i think i think the game makers realized that they should have tried to find a trans actor for that um but i know the character means a lot to a bunch a lot of trans fans because they did a they did a very good job with him and they did a very good job with with Dorian and to see queer representation in games and to see it both in a world where it's accepted and then you see parts of that same world where it's not accepted so you still see sort of the the struggles there that's a really neat thing to to have in a video game yeah cuz usually when when we have video games showing um you know, LGBT lack of acceptance is that it just it's just everywhere, and that sort of it, we we I think we've talked about this before, at least in the context of of, of race, and that if you reproduce uh, just discrimination straight up in a fantasy world, that's kind of not cool because the fantasy world has no reason to discriminate. But the fact that the Dragon Age universe shows both tolerance acceptance and then on the other side discrimination and even inside that own universe it's not you know discrimination is bad and unacceptable it is great to see and i like that with creme and dorian is we have two different characters of two different points of view um but both of them have to struggle like creme is a, a, a commoner into venter uh, dorian has a lot of privilege he, he's very wealthy he's from, from a noble family but he still has uh, the discrimination of the homophobia into Vinter society. And he still has that parental pressure, which um, if you want to take it back to the whole South Asian thing, like it, I, India is really struggling with homophobia specifically. And I don't know if, I don't think this was intended as a specific connection to that, but they, you know, gay marriage was only recently legalized in India just a year ago, and they've been struggling heavily. Wow. And it just, it is not accepted and not talked about in a very conservative Indian society. And they deli- like, so Dorian's voice actor is South Asian, but has an English accent. Whereas for Dorian's father, they very specifically picked a more traditional South Indian accent. And it just felt more grounded and, and thorough to have the traditional parents saying, this is not done, this is not accepted. Um, and, you know, of course, quietly, you know, wanting to support their child, but being so built into that prejudice that he couldn't actually support the, his child in the way that he should have been doing. To the point where he tries to use blood magic to change Dorian. God, hence, that, that was Hence why blood magic is bad, Jay. I, I, yeah, I know. It's really I, bad. I, I learned that lesson after Dragon Age 2, but Inquisition really, like, hearing Dorian's voice when he, when he said that, you know, you tried to change me with blood magic. And, and this was, he said, you know, I learned blood magic was bad from you. And then his dad still did that to him. It, it's, there are no words for that. Yeah, because blood magic is more accepted over into Venture. Um, it's kind of like, 
Well, it's almost straight up allowed into Venter as long as you're not doing it from someone else. Like they, they, they banned doing it from like slaves, but if you use your own blood, they kind of look the other way. And the problem with that is, um, you know, it lets you do magic that you couldn't do otherwise, including the kind of magic that they would have tried to literally do conversion therapy on Dorian with blood magic. Yeah. Like, I'm so excited that in the next number one, I'm excited to dig into the anthology we got because it's literally called To Venter Nights. And I looked at the table of contents and I saw what the very last story is called. And I like had to refrain myself from flipping immediately to it. But also because it seems based upon the end of Inquisition, it looks like Tevinter is where we're going in the next game. Um, and I am so excited to go there because like Jay, I do love a I do love a fancy outfit. I won't lie. Um, and I love the whole. I really just want to go to Tevinter and see what it's like there, even though I know it's awful because so many cool characters have come from there like. Krem and Dorian and even um, even uh, Dorian's friend Mavis is over there. And I just, I want to see more of them. And I'm hopeful that we'll get to see more of Dorian in that game since he's one of the few characters who is definitely still alive at the end of Inquisition, no matter what. Yeah, like a lot of the comics have also been sort of slowly featuring more and more to venture. Like they, they'd already done it before in like the Dragon Age 2 era, but like all the... All the signs, the end of Inquisition, Tevinter Knights, the the comics, they're all leaning towards Tevinter. And I think even, um, so they they restarted the development of Dragon Age 4. And we know for sure that the canceled um, original idea was definitely taking place in Tevinter. And we're pretty, like, 95% sure that Dragon Age 4 is still taking place in Tevinter. Um, so I'm very excited to see not just Tevinter itself, but the connection it has to all the deep lore and all the magic of like the extinction, the disappearance of the elves and the old gods and all that stuff that we've sort of had built up over a series of games. Um, Tevinter is sort of at the heart of all of that. And along with eggs plotting and how that gets resolved. I hate the eggs so much is the worst. And, and, and everything is his fault basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go to Jay's art corner real quick? Sure. So um, my art corner is about the, it's actually about art this time, the art and visual style of the games from Dragon Age Origins to Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, Dragon Age Origins developed over a long period of time and it's sort of, you know, they, they had a lot of built up art. It originally started out as kind of a generic fantasy. They had a concept art of a Conan inspired King Alistair who originally was going to be your main character and it was very sort of cringe worthy type of fantasy. Um, but they they changed up the world. They made it deeper, but it's still a sort of generic fantasy in the first game. Um, but by Dragon Age 2, then once they knew what the universe looked like, it got its own visual style, got really, really much of an upgrade. And then by Inquisition, they started really, really focusing on culture diversity and saying, this is what the Ferelden art style looks like. This is what the Elysian art style looks like. This is what the Tevinter art style looks like. And uh, the concept arts of the Inquisition art book are spectacular, especially if you all have costumes. There are so many great fancy outfit designs in that uh, art book that never got into the games, but at least influenced the way they thought of and the visual language they used to portray each of these cultures. And I do love how we got to see a little bit of everything. We did get to see Orle. We got to see Ferelden. We even got to see old Tevinter temples and everything in Inquisition, even old Elven temples and, and see our understanding of those change. And um, I'm very excited to hopefully see more of that in Dragon Age 4. Yeah. 
Oh, man. I love the art books. I still haven't gotten a chance to sit down and like really go through page by page the uh, the World of Thetis books yet. Oh, my but... God. The second one especially. Yeah, I've flipped through them all, but nothing else aside from that yet. Um, And then uh, we told the Patreon Slack, surprise, we're talking about Dragon Age tonight. And everyone was like, wow, this is so shocking. <laughs> you don't say. Um, but we did a couple of, we did get a couple of questions. Um, they're all from Diana. So the first one is who are your dream companions for Dragon Age 4? Uh, and I guess this means you also have to take into account all the possibilities of who could still be alive. And honestly, there aren't that many (laughs) aside. Well, like Dorian. Yep. hundred percent. Especially if it's at Tivinter. Yeah. Josephine's going to be helping you, right? Absolutely. Oh, are we playing the Inquisitor again? Well, like, the Inquisitor, she'll be helping the Inquisitor, if nothing else. So she'll at least be around and active. Yeah. And then, Varric? I'm I'm always happy for more Varric. Yeah. I absolutely want to see Meryl again, and not just for like a self-indulgent reason that she's my favorite, but also her thing about elven heritage um, and her people and the egg and how she would always swear at the Dreadwolf. Like, it was one of her favorite swears in Dragon Age 2, so I really want to see her confront the egg and also punch the egg because everyone should punch the egg. <laughs> I want to. We should all light up to punch the egg. But kind of, I, I, I'm getting vibes of like... Um, uh, Liara and uh, Javik from uh, from Mass Effect and that sort of relationship and sort of learning the truth about something you obsessed about as well. Ooh, that'd be cool. Yeah, she's she's one of the ones who's definitely still alive by the end of two, right? You don't yes. have to. Or no, wait. Does she turn again? Is there a possibility she turns against you in two? N- no, none of her paths let her turn against you as far as I know, even if okay. you rival her. Because I think if you well, rival if, her, you only just convince her to stop doing blood magic. Well, wait, no, but what if you what if you side with the Templars? I think she stays with you. I, I don't think I, I haven't. No, because I, I think I've done that before. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then she's definitely that would be cool. How about you, Brian? So, of the companions that survived Inquisition. I'd actually kind of like to only see them in cameo roles or non-companion roles in Dragon Age 4. I'd love for a new slate of companions to show up uh, for the next game. That would be cool. I'm just selfish and want Dorian there. I mean, very valid. Yeah. Because um, I, didn't, I didn't mind when Varric was the carryover. From one to the other, but I could I could see him not being in there. But if if Dorian is your carryover companion, and if you're going to Tevinter, it makes sense for Dorian to be there yeah. and to help you. Yeah, because even if he's not a companion, which I desperately hope he is, he's he's a magister by then, right? Like, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. he's he he literally has to be there. Yeah, and that's again, it ties back to the cool thing about the games is like so many of the companions in my playthrough make it through to the end but man if you make some choices like if you don't get Cullen off of his lyrium habit things go badly like he ends up I think he ends up dead after the game oh wow 
Oh yeah, I looked into that. I was like, like an oh, epilogue no. slide kind of thing. The, yeah, he kind of just ends up basically a druggie oh, and like on the side of the road or something. Um, yeah, bull. Obviously, that goes badly if you are a monster and don't save the Chargers. Mm-hmm. I only did that once. <sighs> How could you? How could you? Good sweet creme. At the time, I did it because you could get it to Venter Mage Staff schematic if you side with the Kinari. Jay. Jay. It was a good schematic. It had a little dragon on it. Jay. Why are you like this? Believe me, if only I knew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question is, is Flemeth really dead? God, I hope not, because video games need more Kate Mulgrew. God, I hope not for uh, for what she represents. It's actually kind of funny um, how both you know, I, both Morgan and Flemeth, I weren't big fans of them in the first game, but by the third game, I am big fans of both of them, and I want uh, Flemeth to be around, and I want Morgan to be around, although I, I kind of have suspicions that Flemeth is done and over with, and Morgan might be uh, taking over that role that she uh, played before. That's my hunch. Yeah, I could see Morgan popping up in the third game, because I think she's another one of the ones who... Actually, yeah, she's another character who makes it all the way through, no matter what. And and Flemeth's whole thing was always about Morgan succeeding her, and Morgan always had the impression of of that being nefarious, and, and Flemeth was like, no, you, you, I only wanted you to be willing, so... I have high hopes for uh, for Morgan and hopefully the old god baby as well. Assuming the god baby exists in your playthrough. I mean, yeah, that's the problem. They can't account for that as part of their overall story because they've said they've said they're not going to force a default canon. So, yeah, except I guess in the the accompanying literature. Yeah, that's because, true. Yeah, for example, I mean, Alistair is king in the comics in the books. Um, or at least I haven't read all the books yet. Uh, I think Flemeth's really dead. That that epilogue felt pretty final. Um, yeah, unfortunately. Alas. Yeah, but man, hey, she came back after one, and no one expected that to happen. So who knows? It's Dragon Age. Um, and then finally, what is your favorite Dragon Age origins origin? Minus human noble, and I'm not sorry. I. I'm fond of my first playthrough, which was City Elf. Which one's that one? The Wedding of Tragedies. Oh! Mm-hmm. Oh! Oh, boy. Human noblish is the slaughter of your entire family. Um, the man killing Arl What's-His-Face is really satisfying. It really is. It's a... It's a very, very satisfying thing to do. Yeah. Jay, I think I know yours, but go yeah. ahead and say. Mine is very obviously Human Noble um, for multiple reasons, including how well it ties in with like the main lands meet plot and everything. But um, I have to give a shout out to Dwarven Noble because you have that guy who's like your assistant who you can go through that whole origin without talking to a single peasant and having your assistant speak for you, which is delightful. Also, incredibly on brand for Jay. I, how, how do you do this? 
I'm I'm a very simple man. I'm very easy to please. <laughs> are you though? Are you? I just like the finer things and the best things, okay? Very oh. simple. Oh, Jay. Uh, all right. I guess we should probably wrap this episode up because we've been talking a while. But anyone have any last thoughts on Dragon AJ like to share in this very impromptu episode? Because apparently we don't talk about Star Wars anymore. <laughs> I have a quick final question. Uh, speaking of favorite uh, origins origins, if Dragon Age 4 has origins available, what origin would you want to see playable? Ooh. I think it depends. You're going to have to get back to me on that after I finish my playthrough. Actually, no, wait, I have an answer. Um, I think that they should go the Dragon Age 2 route. Even though I know it wasn't quite as popular. And you play a member of a Tevinter family. I like it. Um, obviously, I, I want to play a me- member of a Tevinter family for all the on-brand reasons. Um, but I also kind of want an origin-style thing, because I would love to be able to be both a Tevinter noble or a former Tevinter slave and experience the story differently based on who you are in Tevinter. That would be cool. But definitely, like, you definitely want the Tevinter human option. Or, oh, ooh. Oh, wait, it wouldn't have to be a human if, because they have elven slaves over there. Yeah, and as long, well, if you're in, if you're a mage in Tevinter, that suddenly sort of lifts many social restrictions and you're suddenly allowed in power. So in theory, an elven mage would be totally legitimate in Tevinter as well. Um, but no, I, I've been wanting to play a Tevinter noble s- since the first Origins games, down to the point of pretending my Origins character is a Tevinter noble. So yes, I definitely need that. For reals. Cool. Brian, any last words or questions from you? Dragon Age is great. Y'all should play it. Then go play Mass Effect after that. Actually, no. Go play Dragon Age and then go back and make some slightly different decisions and play all of Dragon (laughs) Age again. Because that's what I did last year. Um, Yeah, and then play Mass Effect and... Maybe if you're really extra like me, make some Dragon Age costumes and keep picking the ones that involve having to do a lot of quilting and studs because who doesn't want to be Grey Warden Bethany or Cassandra? And I'm specifically not looking behind me to see my Cassandra costume on my dress form taunting me. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I think it's going to wrap it up. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for joining us on this episode of kanji cast the dragon age episode uh because no one told me no um don't forget if you have any questions for us to answer on a future episode or just want to chime in tweet them to us via the tasha station account maybe next month we'll talk about the rise of skywalker i don't know you're not the boss of me (laughs) we're just gonna say this every month for the next six years oh god yeah yeah and that's that (laughs) Okay, this episode of the Kanji Cast has been brought to you in part by you, our Patreon subscribers. It's patreon.com slash Tashi Station. Get in at the $1 level and you can join our Patreon-exclusive Slack, where you can talk about Dragon Age with us. Uh, we're part of the Tashi Station network. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your shows, and leave a review. 
uh, on Twitter, we are at the handles Tashi Station. Uh, Bria is Chaos Bria. Jay is Admiral Jello. I'm Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. You can find our columns and news at TashiStation.net. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll catch you all next month when we maybe talk about the rise of Skywalker. So long, No everyone. promises. <laughs> <laughs>